Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode number 39 of the Website Coach Podcast. And this week, I'm going to give you 11 ways to market your small business without using social media. Because we don't always all like social media. Now, whoever said, build it and they will come, I think it was Kevin Costner, was wrong. Sorry, Kevin. At least in the context of a business. The reality is you need to market your business, but it takes effort and it takes time. And it's another thing to add to the long to-do list when you run a business. And I'm assuming that you started a business because you wanted to help clients, not because you wanted to spend all day doing TikTok videos, or at least maybe that's just me. And while social media might be the default marketing option for many, you might not enjoy being on social media. You might find it doesn't help your business or at least to the extent of the effort you put in. Or you might just want to understand what the other options might be. Is there an easier way? Well, I would never recommend abandoning social media, but there are other ways to market your small business and some of them might well be better for you. So let's take a look at what some of those ideas are. The first is networking. And in the days before social media, in-person networking was the main way that many people marketed their business. When I say networking, some of this might have been, I don't know, on the golf course, for example. It's not just about being in a room full of suits. Networking gets a bad rap. And I think that's due to some of the pushier networking groups out there but it's actually one of the most effective ways to market your small business. And, you know, you don't need to join groups that meet for breakfast, which is hard for anybody doing the school run. And you don't need to join groups that require you to bring in new leads to the group every week. Now, of course, that's an option if it works for you. But several of the guest interviews on my podcast have mentioned the importance of networking and getting clients for their business. I know it's helped me. It really does work. And there are lots of networking groups around. Sometimes it's just a case of finding the right one for you. If you're looking to market your business via networking, then choosing a group that contains your ideal client is, of course, the most helpful. But if you choose the right group, the members will also recommend you to others. I'm in a couple of local networking groups and as well as getting clients directly from the group, which I do, if somebody's asking on social media for a website designer, members of the group suggest me and I do the same for many of them. Now, those groups don't require you to do that, but we choose to do it for each other because it's not difficult and we do actually want to help each other. The other requirement for finding a networking group is finding a group that fits you. What do I mean by that? Well, it's things like, does their time and place of meeting work for you? 
breakfast meetings have never worked for me because of the school run. Do you like the people in the group? I mean, if you're going to spend your mornings or your evenings with these people, you really want to enjoy their company. Is the investment affordable for where you are in your business now? Some of these groups are pretty expensive, often because they require you to join for a full year. And does their style fit with you? I was very kindly invited to join a network, but I went to one meeting and I quickly realised that a weekly meeting of about an hour, plus the one or two hours you were expected to meet individually with other members, just wasn't going to work for me. So I didn't join. And it's really important to enjoy whatever form of marketing you choose to focus on. If you don't enjoy it, then you won't spend the time on it. And if the thought of networking scares you, well, there are other ways to market your business. So the second way is through referrals. And when asked about how they're going to find clients, many new business owners assume that word of mouth will fill their books. But I'm sorry, it rarely does, at least without some assistance. Yes, doing a good job for your clients is always going to help. And some of those clients will shout about you from the rooftops, encouraging others to use you too. But most people are just too busy doing their own thing. It's not that they haven't liked working with you. Now, of course, some clients will tell others, or at least if they're asked, then they'll say which business they've used. But most just don't think about sharing it, possibly beyond an initial shout out. It's not their job to constantly promote you. It's yours. So how can you get more referrals beyond doing a good job? Well, you can let existing clients know if you've got availability and ask them to let anyone they know who might be interested. This prompts them to promote you. And if you make it easy for them, for example, by providing an email or copy for a post or a story, they're more likely to do so. You can cross promote. So you might promote one of their offers and they might share that or promote something of yours too. I must admit, I haven't found that massively effective. You can also offer an incentive. It doesn't necessarily need to be much. You might give them something for free that you would normally sell. It might be a credit against your services or a small gift. We've sent flowers, chocolates, etc. to people who recommend us as a thank you. And a photographer we often recommend gives us credit against a future booking when someone who we recommend books. Now we would recommend them anyway, but this incentive is appreciated and in some cases it does make a difference. You could go further and set up an affiliate scheme. We're affiliates for some of the services we use, like our hosting company SiteGround, graphic design tool Canva, and Dubsado, which is the client relationship management tool we use. These each offer a small cashback whenever somebody books using our specific link. The other thing they do is send promotional material to remind us to send new clients their way. Although I never ever use them, I must admit. But this is often the case when they're running some kind of an offer, like a Black Friday sale. How can you apply this to your business? Well, you could set up some kind of offer and then let people know about it. You need some way of tracking who's recommending you when someone books. But this could just be a reminder to ask people how they found out about you. 
And you could then send regular emails reminding people of that offer so that they continue to recommend you. Okay, number three on my list here is fairs. And in this age of social media, you might think that fairs have had their day. But attending a fair that's got a significant number of your ideal clients can be worthwhile. Now, if you're in an industry like the wedding industry, there are loads of fairs. But you do still need to make sure they're the right ones for you, that your ideal clients are going to be there. And if you specialise in, say, edgy weddings, a fair in the local stately home might not be the best for you. And there's nothing more demoralising than being ignored whilst other businesses get all the attention. But it's not just the wedding industry that's got fairs. Most industries do. There are health and wellbeing fairs and events, business fairs, and fairs for specialist groups, things like Comic-Con. But again, you need to make sure that your ideal clients are going to be there. Otherwise, you'll find you just stand there like a lemon all day, thinking of the other things you could be doing with your time. And if you offer, let's say, massage in Bristol, a health and wellbeing event in London, it's unlikely to lead to many new clients for you in Bristol. I've seen many businesses be attracted to sign up to school fairs because they're very cheap. Tables for £10. But unless your product or service has very wide appeal, I would choose these with care. I know I've been to quite a few in a previous business and I've been to some with a friend who runs her own business as well. And we found them very, very hit and miss. Some of them are very focused around the children and stalls for parents never do well. Whereas others are very much focused around both the parents and the children. And so the parents are looking for things to do, and looking for businesses to talk to. And for example, at one fair I was at, there was a local personal trainer um, and they had a rowing machine there. And that was really, really popular because it attracted parents who were keen to show their fitness, but also that they then talked to the personal trainer. And I know they got clients that way. Number four is collaborations. I've seen some very successful collaborations between businesses which are complementary and who have similar target audiences. For example, businesses which focus on the health and well-being of women inviting other businesses to retreats, etc. So it might be a combination of nutritionists, fitness, skincare, massage, yoga, etc. They all have a similar audience. It works in the baby sector too, though it might be doulas, sleep consultants, healthcare, feeding consultants, because again, they've all got a similar audience and complementary offers. So think about whether there's anyone who might have a similar audience to yours. Get to know them. Get to know them well before you approach them about working together. But once you know them a bit, then see how you might be able to work together to promote your services to each other's audiences. And there are lots of different ways of doing that. Number five is PR. PR is getting featured in the media. For example, newspapers, magazines and online articles. It's a tried and trusted way of getting more people to know about your business. Although I must admit, I would say it's a good way of getting people to know about your business. And it can be very good for SEO too, if you get a link back to your website. But I'm not sure it's a great way of getting people actually to connect with your business. But just like any form of marketing, 
how successful it is depends upon how well it reaches your target audience. And you can easily do your own PR, but it does take effort. All of these marketing options take effort. You need to research the publications you'd like to feature in. These, of course, need to be the ones where your, which your ideal clients read. Think about what kind of a story they might be interested in and then approach them. But bear in mind that many of them get hundreds of email pitches a day. So you need to make it interesting and relevant for them. What's easier, at least I think, is responding to PR requests. For example, if you're on Twitter, you can follow the hashtag request, And you need to reply very promptly to those that make sense. I'm personally not a believer in the any PR is good PR. So make sure whatever you respond to aligns with the values of your ideal client. And we've been featured in Forbes twice by replying to journal request, so it does work. And of course, if you don't want to do this yourself, you can employ an agent to help you get more PR. Number six is speaking. Speaking, either on a stage or online to a group of your ideal clients, is an excellent way to market your small business. Being asked to present means that you've effectively been recommended by the personal business organising the event. And that means you start from a position of trust. Speaking about something to do with your business is a great way to show your authority. And I always recommend that you show your knowledge and share value when speaking. Don't just tease people that you know what you're doing and promote a paid offer. Actually offer value. And like other forms of marketing, the most important thing is that the audience is the right audience for your business. I work with entrepreneurs and small business owners, so I wouldn't look to speak to a large corporate audience. And I've certainly made the mistake before as well of talking to a group of um, people who actually make and sell products. And that's not the kind of websites that I build. I build websites for people in the service industry. So that was my fault because I agreed to do it. But actually, I realized afterwards that I was never going to get any clients from them or clients that I wanted. Now, speaking's not for everybody. I get that. It can be very nerve wracking to do, but it's a very effective way of marketing if you're happy to do so. And you can always start small. You don't have to present to hundreds or thousands of people. It's also a skill you can learn. There are lots of people who run courses on public speaking. And it does get easier the more times you do it. Number seven is a podcast, of course. <laughs> Hosting your own podcast and or guesting on other podcasts is another way to market your small business. Now, I've been running this podcast, The Website Coach, for, well, since last October, and we're definitely boosting our profile as a result. However, I'm not sure I'm getting many clients from it as yet. It's definitely a long-term game. Now, from my experience, hosting your own podcast is technically easier than many people realise. You literally just need a mic and a couple of software programmes. I even do my own editing. Some might say I don't do it well enough and I would better off outsourcing it. What I think is harder work is putting the content of the episodes together. Certainly much harder than I thought it would be, or rather it takes me longer than I expected. And bear in mind, you need to promote it yourself. Because although this podcast is available on all the major platforms, they do not promote your podcast for you. 
You might get listed in the charts, but it doesn't really mean that any more people listen. Guesting on podcasts of people who have a similar audience to you or the audience that you want to have is, however, a great idea, which obviously can be done whether you have a podcast or not. Number eight is search engine optimization, otherwise known as SEO. Or, And this, of course, is another option to market your small business. Everybody wants to get to the top of page one of Google for relevant phrases, but it's not that easy to do. And the thing is, just having a website in itself doesn't get you on page one. So how do you get on page one? Well, the most important thing is to write about what your ideal client is searching for on Google or other search engines. And if you go back to one of my old episodes, episode number four, I talk much more about how you can get on page one of Google. You need a separate page or indeed a blog post. And it's one of the reasons I'm so keen on blogging for each term you want to be found for. But you also need to think carefully about the terms you want to be found for. Some terms have effectively been bagged by other businesses, larger businesses, businesses with bigger budgets than yours, and you're just not going to be able to compete with them, at least not without spending a lot of money and effort, and I doubt that's going to be worthwhile for you. So focus on the terms that you've got a shot at. And I did a a second episode on SEO, quick and easy SEO tips, which was episode number 34. So go back and take a listen to that one if SEO is something that you are interested in. Okay, the ninth way is email marketing. Now, the thing with email marketing is it's not something that you can just do to anybody. You need to get people onto your email list first. And the best way to do that is to offer an incentive. It's sometimes called a lead magnet. And that might be a discount, some kind of a guide, checklist, ebook, and indeed quizzes are very popular at the moment. If you go back to episode 20 of the podcast and listen to that one, I actually talk much more about how to quickly grow your email list. Now, once somebody's on your email list, you can market to them as much as you want to. But please don't send them rubbish or they'll start to ignore your emails or even. And while regular emails are effective, of course, they should be focused on helping the reader. You don't want to regale them with your news. Nobody's interested in that. Sorry. The other thing that you can do is send a sequence of emails after they sign up, which lead to an offer. That's a really effective sales tool. So it might be three or five emails that follow on after they have signed up. Okay, let's go on to number 10, which is ads. Now, paid ads might not be your preferred way of marketing your business because obviously they cost money, but they're certainly an option. There are lots of places you can advertise. In my experience, print advertising is a waste of money. It's rarely successful. I'm not going to say it's never successful, but it's rarely successful. I have certainly um, never seen success with it for very small businesses. Where I've seen more success is with social media ads, so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and indeed Google ads. And I think the reason for this is they can be more precisely targeted. And this makes a big difference to their effectiveness. The other thing that's worth looking at is advertising through events or even podcasts. I don't have a sponsor for this podcast, but a lot of podcasts do accept sponsorship. And you don't 
And sponsoring an event or podcast that is targeted at your idle client can be a very cost-effective way of promoting your business to them, especially if there's a speaking opportunity or a guest podcast opportunity that comes with it. Now, I've always been advised that paid advertising is best used to accelerate signups for something that has been proven to work with non-paid forms of marketing. So if you're having success with people signing up to a particular offer, then advertising it can help it reach a wider audience. But if you're struggling to get people to sign up without ads, it's not converting, then the problem is probably with your offer rather than the reach. And spending money on advertising is therefore a waste of money. Okay, last one, number 11, is directories and or recommended supplier lists. And these can be highly effective ways to market your small business. If you're in the wedding business, then getting on the recommended supplier list of wedding venues where your ideal clients are getting married is very effective. Couples usually choose their wedding venue first. So you're getting in front of the right people at the right time. Plus, you have the recommendation of the wedding venue that they love and trust. Now, it's not just the wedding industry that operates recommended supplier lists. Others do too. We even have our own list of photographers, content writers, social media managers, VAs, etc. that we share with our clients. Directories are similar, although you often have to pay to be listed. But some directories are very highly regarded and they're used by your target audience, so they're worthwhile. But I would say be very, very careful with directories because many aren't and many are just a complete waste of money. So choose very, very carefully. So that's it. 11 ways to market your business which aren't social media. But you never thought I'd get through 11, did you? Because social media is not the only way to market your small business. There are lots of other options. I'm going to run back through those 11 very, very quickly. So number one was networking. Number two, referrals. Number three, fairs. Number four, collaborations. Number five, PR. Number six, speaking. Number seven, podcasts. Number eight, SEO. Number nine, email marketing. Number 10, paid advertising. And finally, number 11, directories or recommended supplier lists. And when you're deciding where you're going to focus your marketing efforts, whether it's one of those 11 or through social media, because, of course, remember that without a team, it's impossible to do everything, at least to do them well, then I think there are two key factors that you need to think about. The first is where you'll find your target audience. Because if your target audience is not there, then it's a complete waste of time and effort. And secondly, which you're going to enjoy. Because if you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to spend the time on it and you're not going to put the effort in. So please, just take into account where your target audience is and which ones you enjoy. So I'd love to know after this episode, which one you think is the right one for you and your business, or whether these all sound like far too much hard work and you're going to concentrate on social media. Let me know by email. I'm at sayhello at beyondthekitchentable.co.uk and I'm on Instagram as my preferred social media platform at beyondthekt. That's it for this week. 
Have a great week, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.